Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Chronicles chapter 10 from the World English Bible. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines followed hard after Saul and after his sons, and the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. The battle went hard against Saul, and the archers overtook him, and he was distressed by reason of the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was terrified. Therefore Saul took his sword and fell on it. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he likewise fell on his sword and died. So Saul died with his three sons, and all his house died together. When all the men of Israel who were in the valley saw that they fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and lived in them. On the next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They stripped him and took his head and his armor and sent into the land of the Philistines all around to carry the news to their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the house of their gods and fastened his head in the house of Dagon. When all Jabesh Gilead heard all that the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and took away the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons and brought them to Jabesh and buried their bones under the oak in Jabesh and fasted seven days. So Saul died for his trespass which he committed against Yahweh because of Yahweh's word which he didn't keep and also because he asked counsel of one who had a familiar spirit to inquire and didn't inquire of Yahweh. Therefore he killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. That is the end of chapter 10. These events are also recounted in 1 Samuel 31, though with some different details given or clarified. Both accounts say the archer's arrows hit Saul. Here in the World English Bible, in this chapter, it says they overtook him and distressed him, but the New King James translates even this chapter in 1 Chronicles 10 as the archers hit him and he was wounded. It was just the day before, as recounted in 1 Samuel 28:19, that Saul had heard from the departed spirit of Samuel that he would die. The irony is that he actually killed himself. It is his final act of unfaithfulness of not trusting in God. We know from various passages, including Deuteronomy 32, 39, and 1 Samuel 2, 6, that life and death are to be in the hands of God, and that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, as he says in Ezekiel 33, 11. 
But even here, as Saul is not trusting God, he tries to get his armor bearer to do his dirty work and then unfortunately influences him to also commit suicide. Regarding Saul's sons, it seems clear they died as a result of their father's poor judgment, but they're not being judged for his sin. It is kind of like being killed in a car accident due to your parents driving at high speed on an icy, curvy road, and then the whole car crashing into a ravine below and everyone dying. The response of the people of Israel, as it's given in verse 7, where they're all fleeing, got me to think about their clamoring for an earthly king, as it tells us in 1 Samuel 8. They got what they wanted, and they put their trust in him instead of in the Lord. So when their earthly king died, they still didn't turn to God. They just run in fear. And as he himself, as the Lord says in 1 Samuel 8, 7, they had rejected him. To place the battle geographically, Gilboa is a mountainous area at the southeast end of the Valley of Jezreel, so about 20 miles from the most southern part of the Sea of Galilee. Endor, which was where Saul consulted with the medium, is just north of that. Regarding the Philistines, recall from Genesis 10.14 that they are descended from Ham by way of his son Mizraim, and then through Miseriam's son, Kazluhim. And in Genesis 21-32, it mentions Abraham interacting with Abimelech, who returned into the land of the Philistines, so he was apparently a Philistine, and Abraham also sojourned there in the land of the Philistines. Then also in Genesis 26-1, Isaac went to live during a famine with the king of the Philistines, and so the Philistines weren't originally enemies kind of like Jacob and Esau were friends. They were reunited when Jacob Jacob came back into the land, but later the Edomites did become enemies, treat the Israelites like enemies. Verse 9 here talks about Saul's body. It tells us that the Philistines particularly used his head and armor to proclaim and celebrate their victory, and it emphasizes using it to honor their gods. It also says they placed his armor in the temple of their gods. Now, 1 Samuel 31 specifies that this was the temple of the Ashtoreths, which sadly the Israelites were also worshiping as early as Judges chapter 2, verse 13. And then even in 1 Samuel 7, 3, um, Samuel the prophet calls them out for engaging in this, tells them to leave those and to follow God. In verse 10 of 1 Chronicles 10, it says the Philistines put Saul's head in the temple of Dagon. This is the same idol, false god, that has the head fall off when the ark is captured by the Philistines and they try to keep it there in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. But getting back to Saul's dead body, It says in 1 Samuel 31.10 that they put his body on the wall of Bethshon, which the American Bible Society Atlas shows as a town just north of Gilboa. And if you do a word search about that town, you can find it mentioned in other places as well. And possibly, I wonder if it's one of the towns that they just took over. The men of Jabesh Gilead have special reason to honor Saul. He led the battle that is recounted in 1 Samuel 11 that saved them from the Ammonites. Jabesh Gilead is a town on the other side of the Jordan River, 
pretty directly east of Gilboa, and their territory borders that of Ammon. Later, David recognizes their response of the, the response of the men of Jabesh Gilead as a proper response on their part. You can see that in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. So the first reason that is given for Saul's demise was that he was not faithful to the word of Yahweh. He didn't keep it. The second reason is kind of like the counterpart to that, and that was that he asked for guidance from a medium, which is another word for sorcerer or witch. This account is told in 1 Samuel chapter 28, and it shows Saul's lack of understanding. He had inquired of God, though we know from the whole context at that point in his life that he wasn't really seeking God, but only seeking his own reassurance in the midst of his rebellion, and God hadn't answered. Now, Saul had usually heard, and most recently, though it hadn't been recently, through Samuel, because um, in 1 Samuel 15.35, it says that Samuel didn't see Saul again, and that was apparently several years before Samuel died. But at that point, that last time that he saw him is when he told Saul that the kingdom was torn from him. And then Saul obviously knows that mediums deal in witchcraft, and per Exodus 22.18, they were just supposed to be killed. To practice sorcery or witchcraft was to open up to interact with other spirits, that is, they are not of the one true God, and so they can be nothing but evil and any information or powers obtained for them are going to be grossly wicked and polluted. But obviously, as we see in the account in 1 Samuel 28, that God can easily override their powers and make things show up that he wants to show up because the medium is very shocked that she actually gets Samuel. It's not what she's expecting. And we know even from this account in 1 Chronicles 10 that she actually did have a familiar spirit. That is, she was used to interacting with the demonic world. Whether she knew exactly that's what it was or not, but she knew she wasn't supposed to be doing it. What can confuse people sometimes is that such spirits do not operate by the same physical rules that we humans do. And you can see one example of that in Daniel 10 verses 10 through 13, where the angel talks about other things going on in the spiritual realm. But these spirits, these evil spirits, those that have rebelled against God, can delude people into thinking they are given magical powers for themselves. This appeals to those who follow the lie that we can become like gods, but it only truly leads to the evil spirits possessing them or giving them wrong information. And this as opposed to the Holy Spirit, who doesn't override even born-again followers of Christ, but we are encouraged to follow his guidance and be comforted by him. So such occult practices are in line with Jesus's warning in Matthew 24, 24, and also Paul mentions them in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 as being things going on in, with the lawless one. Satan is a liar and a deceiver, and Saul was not only personally getting involved with someone with a familiar spirit, but he was king over God's people. And as is shown throughout the Old Testament, the kings, unfortunately, have too much influence over what all the individual people do. It's like they give them license to do what is evil. 
So the Bible clearly mentions such evil many times, but it only gives enough details to make a point and never gives unnecessary airtime to Satan and his evil things. We should be aware, but then we should concentrate on the things of God. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 